Hey folks, it's Cole here doing the edit and letting you guys know that there are spoilers in this episode. Spoilers for Endgame, Downton Abbey, Game of Thrones and Loki. So if you want to avoid those, uh, they all crop up from around 40 minutes onwards for about 5-10 minutes. So maybe avoid that bit. Just saying. to another week of riffs and scripts riffs and, and scripts. scripts and riffs and riffs That's and that. scripts and indeed riffs and scripts and scripts if that wasn't clear and scripts and riffs <laughs> so that was getting really confusing hi i'm cole bryant i'm amber Sava. welcome to another week today is a fun topic that just came up in conversation and we were like this must come on the podcast boom and we're talking boom, boom, boom. about tropes and cliches of which there are many. There are so many. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, before that, how are you, Cole? I'm all right. I'm I'm struggling to manage time. Okay. At the moment. I mean, it is a social is a construct. Problem. So. Yeah, it is a social. You know, it, does it really even exist? It's so difficult to manage when it's you know so ethereal and abstract in nature. Um, I think that's it's part of the bane of any creative's life in that time doesn't do what you want it to. It all just marches on linearly and everyone else's time has to be fitted into yours when you're doing anything with another person, whether it be this podcast or, or me and Nathan songwriting or just getting together for a rehearsal. Me, me and Nathan Luke haven't had a rehearsal yet, even though Bloody lockdown hell. is kind of easing. But we just, they, they're both working six days a week themselves. So um, it's just a blooming nightmare to, nightmare to try and coordinate humans uh, very tricky. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So um, I think the thing with the time thing that you were just saying as well is we've all gone from doing absolutely nothing and sitting at yeah. home trying to occupy ourselves to going to work, restarting freelance life and yeah. trying to have a social life. And I've been trying to be like, I'm going to say yes to a lot. And I have. And I've gone out on days I ordinarily would have gone, mm. oh, yes, but I'm teaching the next morning. Mm. I I did have a day where I went out on a Friday night for someone's birthday. I got quite lucky because we decided to go down the road from where I teach on a Friday. Mm. So I was like, yes, convenient social meetups. How rare are those these days? Normally you have to like go to the arse end of nowhere. Um, and we were having so much fun. And there was this voice in my head going, you are going to suffer tomorrow. And I mm. just went, okay, I accept that. <laughs> so the next morning was just like, I knew this would suck. I still obviously did all my classes and it was great and it was fine and it wasn't like an important, it wasn't like show day and I had loads of energy and I still gave the kids, I probably compensated actually, probably gave them hmm. more energy than normal and then came home a broken woman and watched like a whole series of New Girl. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, I um, I was on holidays, you know, last week and um, I, yeah, Weirdly, late 20s, people say that you get worse and worse at tolerating alcohol. I don't actually think that's necessarily true because night before last, I drank more than I've done apart from maybe once in the last two or three years, um, just chucking it down. And um, But then I did have a steak. But then I had Oof. no ill effects. I wasn't drunk. I didn't didn't get a hangover. It was great. It was amazing. Seriously, I amazing. don't drink that much. Wonderful. I didn't even drink that much before the lockdown. I'm quite a tiny little thing. A couple of drinks and I'm giddy. So Fair. 
Um, handy. Handy. I, it, very Everyone much else is so. spending tens of thousands of bajillions of pounds and you just go, oh, two pints, I'm done, mate. Cheers. Oh, fun night. One of the most fun nights I've ever had was after a really big acting rejection. Um, it was one of those things where I, it was on the day you got told, thank you so much for coming in. Okay. It was like brutal. Mm. And it was someone, this was years ago. This was me trying to get into drama school. So, um, I was like 21, 22 and I went to someone's birthday that night and I was just feeling vulnerable and hurt and rejected. And I was like, I'm going to get pretty drunk. And I did. And see, this is, this is the thing with drinking, right? It's like a dial. Yeah. Your drunkness. Mm is like a metronome and you want to hit that sweet spot. But if you go past that sweet spot into too drunk, yep. Yep. things go south. And I did yes. really well to hit that sweet spot, realized I needed to stop, waited a little bit, got myself back there and just juggled the drinks with the water and the sit down, but then getting up again and doing yeah. the time warp beautifully. And I was reminiscing about this recently <laughs> with my friend because we fell asleep hugging at the bus stop together. <laughs> Aww, me and my friend Julia sweet. were like like just leaning against each other um on the bench and we had others around us and just had like a little nap waiting for the night bus home so that was a great night delish that came delish. out of my acting life <laughs> okay I've oh got a trope God. that I'm just itching to bring up so can I okay so so yeah so yeah we're doing tropes and cliches Amber what's your first trope my first trope is the single tear <laughs> wow yeah now you've said that that's yes that's the biggest trope in the entire world isn't it and i fucking hate it and i'm gonna tell you why so um first of all let's look at this from like a human creative perspective in trying to tell truth through our stories when in real life coleridge have you seen someone shed a single tear when i'll be honest you fucking it's haven't. Fucking, just, just doesn't fucking happen. It doesn't, right? it doesn't fucking happen ever. When we want ever. to cry, we either hold it in and we get a bit glazy-eyed across both eyes or mm. a couple of tears come out and we do the little wipe them away. Like, you know, wipey, wipey, wipe, you go yes. from your nose outwards. You know the one when you've been crying at the movie and you don't want the person next to you to know and you just do a little and you get both eyes or the floodgates open and you cry. No one gets brutal loss and just lets a single tear fall gracefully. It's And it's used for either to keep women looking pretty but showing emotion or to show male emotion but just a little bit because men aren't supposed to yeah, be yeah. too emotional. So it's just, first of all, unrealistic, right? Secondly, I hate, as an actor, being told... First of all, when you're doing live performance, it is difficult to control if you cry or not. In a movie, mm. you've got all the takes in the world. You can you can go off off camera and like put on a really sad song and help yourself get there, and then they quickly Stick a pin in your balls. and then yeah. they quickly roll the camera. Yeah. On stage, it's a bit different. It's a lot harder to predict because it's not supposed to be predictable. You know, there are there are so many books about making a live performance. Um, real and the way you do that is by not predicting mm. it state by state there's a really good book actually called different every night that i highly Ooh. recommend not a sponsor just a fucking brilliant book mm. really brilliant so first of all you can't treat 
theatre and film acting in the same way. If you really need to, to get the single tear in a film, you can put in fake tears and allow one single tear. You can't do that on stage. And telling your actor at this exact moment of this scene every night, I I not only want you to cry, I want you to cry (laughs) just a tiny bit. Like we're all supposed (laughs) to be sat there going... Which (laughs) I, Mr. Director... (laughs) Which eye would be best for the, for 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 there? Because obviously I can control each individual fucking eye in terms of tears. You psychopath! No, but actually that has been given to us. <laughs> what the fuck? One is of my favourite directors ever did say that, and I remember thinking, "Oh, I liked you. Why?" And why what have was... you done this to yourself? And it was actually a anything. really heavy scene that we were doing. That scene. It was really, really emotionally heavy. And um, I'm not going to like really take it there right now, but on one of our dress runs. So A, I knew the part and I knew the lines. I knew it all well enough to not have to think about too much and, you know, be in the moment. Um, But B, I had one of these moments because this is the thing. Let the phrase, I've said this before, let it affect you is is one Mm. of the most powerful ways to bring out genuine emotion in acting. Mm. And um, it was really close to the show. And basically the the serious topic in the scene applied to some friends of mine who were coming to watch mm. and i was like i'm going to have to say a really horrible sentence to people i love and i know this will be real mm. for them and i cried so much <laughs> like proper ugly and in a mm. way some some directors might go oh yes she did it and you know look it doesn't it's some, and there's nothing completely wrong with that again it's just putting yourself in that emotionally vulnerable place um but weirdly the next scene is such a stark contrast and i'm in <laughs> the next scene the director actually yeah. went i don't think you should take it there because i'm worried that if you take it there you won't be able to snap out of it quick mm. enough for the next scene and there are all sorts of techniques for that but i didn't even leave the stage I like the scene just changes. So yeah, controlling crying is so difficult, especially when it's live and you've not got the takes and the single tear is dumb. It's unrealistic and it's an unkind expectation to put on your actors. That's how I feel. (laughs) <laughs> oh, please let go. me get a part in a film with the single tear now fuck it oh my go God. on do it I since, dare you if that... you're out there and you're like well she can't be in this film I dare you put me in the film <laughs> I dare you I double dare you motherfucker <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god As, do you know what I want to just touch on something really really fun just total side note randomly but different every night there's a thing that me and Nath have actually talked about this before in that a lot of the best guitarists won't play a guitar solo the same every night. Um, and Cole leans into that shit, right? Because Cole believes that music should be ethereal. And yes, it should have some structure, but yes, it should also have individuality and creativity. And there's certain things that will happen in a moment with a particular crowd, with a particular energy that will never happen again. And so you should use that opportunity to be creative and different every time. So there's things I do singing wise that I will do that aren't on the record but i'm feeling in the moment and i will just do it and um partially that's about relating to the crowd but my favorite guitar solos by my favorite guitarists are by people who are very improvisational you know um so nath does this a lot where he will have some solos which are kind of it depends on the song but some solos which kind of hit 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 every point 
most of his solos he goes okay there's maybe four five six points of this solo where this has to be just right so i can go into the next thing but then there'll be improvisational stuff in between and you know that's what that's what you know makes us different from machines you know so every night should be different every night should be its own unique experience because that's why you see a live performance yeah um absolutely and it's so much fun when singers do it um i i've had it where I've seen footage or even live gone to a musical where I know the song and I know what that big note is. And when they add something, just a little riff because they can, because a little willy bit, you have to, you you have to like choose your moments. Uh, You can't let your ego like disrupt others. But when, when it's done well, and in fact, I've, I've heard through the musical grapevine that, one of the jobs of audio engineers sometimes with with um like generated things so like auto tune mm. or whatever is to it's then to add humanity, yeah, yeah, yeah add imperfections yeah because that's exactly imperfections right. are beautiful they are so beautiful like without sounding yeah. like a douchebag like they are well i i've done a bit of session work and um i've talked to uh, a producer in fact one particular guy called sam Bloor, who is in stoke um, stuck on Trent and um, has a studio called Lower Lane Studios, which, by the way, I just recommend to anyone who wants really bloody good recordings at a decent price. Um, and I did some session work with him, and he was saying how, you know, what he actually likes is getting the best take out of someone in terms of emotional content and human content, mm. rather than, than the take that is most um uh in pitch and in tune like aesthetically on the money you know aesthetically uh empirically correct as it were um and that's always the most important thing so when i've gone into the studio and i'm like you know boom 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 i I, you know i don't i don't tend to stray too much pitch wise which is always a good thing about me just because i think just musical ear and having done it for ages but um you know he was encouraging me to kind of let go of that and to just lean into the more yeah emotional content um kind of side of singing um which which is really really important and you can tell it in records you know uh there's recordings i've done in the past where i was like well musically this is great and it's fine but actually i would much rather have been more expressive yeah but you know you live and learn and that's why it's good to be continuing doing music as an adult rather than doing things when you're young and you've got certain kind of ideals and prejudices uh that are sort of inbuilt you know um so anyway tropes 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 i've got a really fun trope that's a kind of musical theory trope now you may not be familiar with this term but i have a feeling you'll know exactly what i mean have you ever heard the term pitch ceiling amber no i have not heard the term probably guess what it means um so uh, this relates into the trope itself. A pitch ceiling is an idea that a composer will do when they're writing a piece of music, particularly vocal music, and um, they want a particular thing to stand out. They want a heightened emotional state, and one of the ways that we generate a heightened emotional state is through increasing the pitch. So you may notice that most choruses tend to be slightly higher than the verses of songs of pop songs particularly um so the idea is you create a pitch ceiling whereas you repeatedly hit a certain note boom 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 and then when you want to create a memorable part you break that pitch ceiling by you do something in a higher pitch yeah so yeah choruses tend to be written at a higher pitch than verses like modulating to the relative major modulating so you know the trope i'm gonna say the trope is modulating by one tone i'm so sorry i didn't mean that i really didn't mean it no 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 no. (laughs) 
you modulate by one tone. So yeah. so what so my heart will go on, for example. Yeah. Etc. You know, suddenly it's I'm sorry, can I just show off a little bit? That went quite well. That was great. Well done. Exactly. Well done. So you know, there's that. There's you raise me up, which is yeah. which sinks in lyrically. Yeah. You raise me up. Yeah. You know, it goes up, and uh, you know, Bon Jovi living on a prayer, all those things. A really and that's good. One of the big musical tropes, and so you may now have the lexicology to explain what's happening. Why it works. To explain what's going on. I like this idea that yeah, subconsciously you say there's like a limit, and then you break that limit. Delicious. That's exactly what's happening. There's yeah. a really good moment of that. And again, just to be just a little bit cocky, um, I was <laughs> I was really good at it. And it was one of those... So, okay, my singing is not very um, technically good compared to some other professional singers out there. So a really good person I could compare myself to, for example, is uh, my friend Eliza, who I've mentioned before. She played my understudy. And that's an interesting dynamic because um, in some ways, I, my like my belt is more powerful than hers. There are like some like raw bits to my song um, that that you could say are stronger than hers. But her technical singing is so much better than mine. Whenever we were learning like harmonies and we had to learn the same parts because she was my understudy, I would like focus on her, like help me hit these notes right. And the mm. reason that I struggle, well, not a struggle, the reason it's not my strongest part and Sweeney really helped me practice that is because I sing by listening much more than mm. then than I sing by reading or like understanding oh I'm a I'm a third up or do you know what I mean I mm, I pitch yeah. myself to what's happening around me which means that when when people around me are singing something different I go <laughs> 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 um, but what I'm very good at is like you know the the big um the big belty solos and but it's, and do you know the reason for that this isn't it's not because it's better or worse it's just because when I first started singing I spent years doing one-on-one lessons so mm. in a one-on-one lesson, you're not going to harmonize that much with others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to get, you're going to do on my own. You're going to do as long as he needs me. And that's the one I want to bring up. So yeah, yeah. as long as he needs me is one of those big, beautiful, heart-wrenching female solos from Oliver Twist. And it's Nancy singing about why she puts up with the abuse that Bill Sykes puts mm. her through. And there's a bit where she really gets to the crux of the matter because she it starts as long as he needs me. He does need me. And he's, she's convincing herself. And the bit, the words are, if you are lonely, then you will know when someone needs you, you'll love him so. And in one note, it goes, you'll love him so I won't betray yeah, his yeah. trust. And that's, it is, it's just a semitone, I think. And apparently mm. it's really hard, but because my singing is very attached to listening, I went, yeah, yeah, oh, ah, yeah, yeah. that's how it goes. And I've got good breath capacity. Yeah, and I just went, great. And people would be like, oh, that's a tough one. So it's just an interesting, <laughs> first of all, really beautiful example of what you were talking about, but also just an interesting, just comparison yeah. of how different people sing. So I remember helping her, Eliza again, prepare for an audition. And she was like, I need you to help me hit this belt. So I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play it on the piano. And I'm, uh, yeah, we've, talked we've about said this. Yeah, this. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, drown yeah. you out. I'm going to be louder than you. And she was like, okay. And I made, it was almost like the King's speech technique where you like, you mute someone's ears. Put, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to be so loud 
that you could not possibly be afraid of making a mistake because um, it's it's very much about freedom and tension singing and whereas then yeah, the yeah. other way around would be when I'm like fuck what is that note what is that note and I'm looking at her going I need you to help me <laughs> find this note yeah, yeah. neither is better or worse in fact she's way more bookable <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. Yes. To carry on then, to build off your last trope, another one that is just, I'm not even mad about it. I quite like it, but it's such a trope and you got to laugh. It's such a trope to the point that South Park and Scrubs have both ripped it off. Can you think yeah. what I'm going to mention? Oh, um, I don't know. I think- is it the musical theatre episode? Yes. Yes, yes. It's- the Buffy the Vampire Slayer one is really good. <laughs> it's, the, um, it's the song that wraps up the story so far where every character sings a little bit of their solo. So in Scrubs, it's like, I I know that that I'm not crazy. It's best to know the truth. All of Blame Canada. And it's like the mashup. Tomorrow night. That's the best one. We talked about that that, that exact piece of music, I think, last week. Yeah, that's probably why it's in my head. But, you know, a really, really good example of it is in Les Mis. Like, it's... Yeah, Les Miserables. Yeah, One Day More is stunning one day more. it's so stunning but like oh I had... my god i love the music from les miserables and i'm um, uh, sorry I, i'm just interrupting don't but be sorry basically you, you express that okay love. so so i i really i liked the film a lot i liked the film a lot i haven't got to see it live um but i like the film and the thing is that um i won't watch the film again unless it's the right night I have that with things I like quite a lot. So, for instance, a lot of my favourite films, like, I know, The Great Escape or something, I will only watch them in a very specific mood, regardless of the fact that, you know, it might be one of my favourite films. The reason is that I'm not emotionally ready for Les Mis most evenings. So I can't just bung it on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, I'm just like, oh, shit. Like, in my case, The Great Escape, which also has brilliant music, by the way, is so emotional and so heartbreaking much like Les Miserables, that I can't just sit down and enjoy that. I have to be like, okay, I'm ready for this. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. um, Yeah, Les Miserables, part of the reason is is the music because the music is just brilliant. It's so beautiful. really, really good. And we we talked about this when we were talking about Phantom. Um, I do think Phantom takes it to another level when it does it at the climax at the end of the musical, which I've talked about loads, so I won't say it again. But um, the ability to write individual songs that fit well together is something that yeah. blows my fucking mind. Hamilton does a really good one. Um, I hmm. believe it's non-stop um, is the most mashup one. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. There are some very dedicated Hamilton fans. But you know where it's like, how to account for his rise to the top? Man, the man is non-stop and so it's about how great how he's doing and why he's so successful at this particular stage but you've also got like the woman he marries singing the song like just a little bit just a little bit he doesn't it doesn't over hammer in hamilton <laughs> hamilton anyway um... <laughs> that was just <laughs> laughing awful. at my Sorry. own jokes la, 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 la. Christ. i was like I was, I was looking for the joke and then oh, oh, there it is, yeah. I can't find it. it um, and I just saw your expression. There was a lot of tongue in that expression, people at home. Just like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. One of them. Um, oh, God. I'm so ashamed. I think the today, reason the one. Please continue. I think the reason Hamilton's good is nonstop is its own song. One Day More mm. is almost note for note, Who Am I? 
And that's fine yeah. and it's beautiful. One day more, who am I? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in Hamilton, it's non-stop, is its own thing. It's telling this specific part of the story. But then you've also got like little reminders, just little, little, little harmonies, little moments from all the other ones. Like, here's yeah, where we all are. Shit. And interval. Boom. <laughs> little cheeky recap before you come back and for the second half. And that talk about not being emotionally fucking ready. Oh, my gosh. I have to decide... Ugh. When I'm putting on Hamilton while I'm cleaning, I'm like, if I want to enjoy cleaning and have a bit of a bounce in my step, I'll listen to the first half. If I want to be like crying into the dishes, I'll do the second half. Mm. <laughs> do you know what? I've just I've just remembered something that we said we were going to do. Maybe we can do it next next week uh, or on. in coming weeks at least. Is um, we do our favorite, my favorite musicals, and I think your favorite albums. We've been I think saying was, this for was, ages. Was, yeah, was let's do it thing. next week. Because, um, or, or at least maybe some favourite musical numbers or whatever. Yeah, because some kind I of Because I just swap. remembered one of my favourites, which I will not reveal. Um, teaser, teaser, teaser. Just, just, oh, just certain bits of music, even if they're not necessarily more clever, more interesting yeah. academically than other things. Some things you're just like, well, that's fucking great. I love that shit. Yeah. You know, I feel like that, that, that way with Motorhead, which I've, I'm sure I've said before, is that, you know, they're not... Um, there, there is, you know, certain things you can study and look into, which I always, I always find really enriching about music is that I, uh, I, I have an academic view of, of music is why did it come out at this time? Why were these people doing this rather than something else? You know, things like that. I love that. And I love that about Motorhead, but Motorhead is just brutal and simplistic and amazing. Yeah. And I've appreciated it more and more as I've grown up because it just makes me feel something, mm. you know? Um, so, you know, there we go. Uh, uh, tropes, tropes, tropes. I mean... The last one for me is, you know, I've talked about this subject and kind of talked about it in different ways. When you watch films about bands, like, for instance, Spinal Tap or, you know, uh, David Brent's Life on the Road and things like that, you know, you get certain tropes in your head of, you know, singers are prima donnas and and, uh, guitarists always kind of want to be a bit of the centre of attention and, um, you know, bassists are useless and drummers are crazy. Those tropes are just fundamentally true. Mm. That's that's why they exist. A lot of these ridiculous stereotypes, particularly around musicians, uh, come from very solid basis. You know, um, drummers I know are mad. They're just crazy people. They're just strange. A lot of a lot of drummers have ADHD. I think there was a study into it. Whereas a lot of drummers have ADHD. Um, drumming's really good for your brain as well, um, people at home, if you didn't know, because it teaches you how to do lots of things at once, and it's kind of cool. Like, like drummers are doing something kind of mad. You think that, okay, in terms of simplistically, your foot's doing this, and your hands are doing this, and your other foot is doing this, but being able to think about that part of your body independently doing weird technical shit. While Cole shit talks, is, he's like flailing, while, and it's really funny. Yeah, I'm flailing. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like a, I'm how like do they do a it? crab. <laughs> How how do they do it? What how do they do it? Um, I tried to add sound effects. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, oh my god. Anyway, what what drummers do is mad, and it's really good for your brain. Anyway, I don't know why I said that. Basis, in my experience, have been somewhat useless. Are Not you now all talking them, about just character tropes? Is that where you've moved to? Is that the character idea? Character personality yeah, tropes yeah. of of, of oh, people. Oh, that's Guitarists, a whole tin of words. Nath, Nath will not mind me saying this, but Nath is the guy who will do a sound check and then. Oh, okay, right, we've all checked our sound, great. Just turn my amp up. There we go, <laughs> just turn my amp up more. Just gonna fuck it Doesn't up. Doesn't matter that the sound man's already balanced it all, just 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 turn that up a little bit. Just just a little just a li- a little just 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 
just the salmon yeah, hates just, him. Just crank that shit up. <laughs> yeah, the sal- salmon fucking hate it, but the salmon know that you're doing it. And singers are prima donnas, so so like I will say in sound check, hi, can I get more vocal in my monitor? The reason being that I can't fucking hear myself, right? And there's this thing that singers go, oh, can I have more vocal in my monitor? And then the salmon pretends to twiddle a knob, and then goes. Uh, yeah, you've got some more now, and he, and then the singer will go, yeah, yeah, that's fine, and so they'd like tr- playing this psychological trick on the tr- singer, right? But I know they're fucking doing that, all right? Yeah. I can tell. Yeah. And I say, and and it used to be when I was younger that I would you be said like, that in such a sassy way, like I know what you're doing. I know, I know what you're doing there. I know what you're doing. Tell my fucking okay. voice up, bitch. I can, I can fucking tell, all right. And I really do need to fucking hear myself. So. Um, especially with Nate, who's just turned his amp. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, they'll do that. And I used to be, when I was younger, just be like, okay, I don't want to cause some kind of socially awkward problem. I, I was too socially awkward to, to go, I need you to actually turn it up now, mm. um, which is what I do now um, because I've just been on the road for so fucking long. But uh, yeah, singers are kind of, they are a bit egotistic and they just want to hear themselves. I play up to that deliberately as a joke so that people kind of know yeah. that I'm aware of this and not an asshole. Um, but yeah, singers singers have that. I've met plenty of singers who are that kind of prima donna figure. And I've, I've talked about this all the way through the podcast is that, you know, being a lead singer in a band doesn't make you better than anyone else, you know, and there is there is a, an ego balance thing that needs to happen. You need to scrutinise yourself because otherwise you'll be an asshole. Yeah. You know. Oh, I'm trying to think of character tropes then. Okay, so the you've got, obviously actors are absolute children. And we are. Yeah. It's why you we're are. good at what we do. We're playful. We're social. We talk. We move. We're restless. But it makes mm. techies hate us. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, and I can't blame them. And I, I've I've talked about this before when we did our tech runs. I really try to be good, and I try and remind the people around me to be good without being a little dickhead about it. But yeah, we are we are restless, playful dickheads. We are utter yep. like puppies wrestling on the floor like that's just what we are um i've just sort of another one now and then techies are the opposite (laughs) yeah they are are. quiet socially awkward in fact oh my gosh did you ever see oh oh a film from the 90s called get over it did you see it no oh it was so funny and it, it was basically like a teen American Pie, like, raunchy comedy um, about a guy who gets dumped and to try and win her back, he gets involved in the school play. Cool? That's the basics of the Mm. plot. And the techie characters crack me up because they are just weirdos. They are, like, kind of stonery, like, like, slightly over the top, kind of just sit around with the power like, yeah, if I hit this button, I could blow that guy up. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's yeah, a really yeah. fun, yeah. So I love the, it. I the love techie it. trope is that they're they're often kind of antisocial, awkward. I'm not here to make friends. Don't move out of the lighting. Don't touch your props. Kind of anger. Like there's and look, we work together, and it we they counterbalance each other. Or you end up just killing each other like gladiators. That's mm, kind of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's another one which um, just sprang into my head about elitism in metal. Okay, so there's this thing that we have an idea about metalheads are just like um, 
every genre except metal is like you know is just metal's just like a superior genre like if mozart and beethoven were alive now like they'd be playing metal they wouldn't be playing this like you just don't understand because like metal's just like a superior genre and that is a real fucking thing i have seen it firsthand so many times when we did metal to the masses people saying they're not even a metal band and shit like that and like you know this this there's this whole thing with a lot of people who are into metal and metal's great i love metal you know i listen to metal all the time you know i'm me hello riffs there's riffs and scripts Uh, i am the riffs is is half of of, i am the riffs of this equation um but yeah like there is there is a weird thing where you get a lot of people who kind of disappear up their own arsehole which is a phrase i've said a few times and um, sit in their room. Yes, I'm practicing a Dorian uh, sweet picking licks, and uh, now I can do this. Can you do this? Oh, you can't do this because I can do this. And it's just like, well, you can't play any fucking bands, can you? Yeah, like, for sure. Because actually playing with other human beings, it's the most valuable skill as a music- musician that you can possibly have. Yeah, you know, and that's what you I mean. Really I've talked about this when I talk about dickheads at auditions. Oh, mm. that's another trope: is the pushy parent, and I'm f- not being funny. They <gasps> exist. The dadager. Yeah, yeah, the pushy parent. We've talked about them before but they are they're messed up because i was a child actor and the part of the whole process that made my mum the most uncomfortable would be in the waiting room while me her child and someone else's child had been taken in and the other mums slash dads but like the other parents just i can't even explain it it's gross Also, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a thing. We've talked about dadages in the past, haven't we? Yeah. I'm about to say something really bitchy, but it's Go on. so funny. Go on. This seems to turn into like our bitchy pet peeves episode, but continue. I know we haven't. Uh, um, I know, I know. <laughs> oh my god, it was so funny. Okay, so I'm not saying I think this. I have seen some incredible musical theatre acting. I have. However, <laughs> here we go. It is a bit of an in joke that MTs are not good actors. Yeah, it's like if you do enough pirouettes, you'll get an audition kind of thing. If you Ooh. hit that high note, you'll be fine. It's not wow. It's not true. The best MT performers are the best because they're brilliant. If we go back to um, he needs, As Long As He Needs Me, Patti Lapone did a stunning rendition of it and she made the notes really dirty and emotional. She's fantastic. So mm-hmm. before I get bitchy... I know it's not 100%. Having said that, I literally read a casting breakdown that cracked me up that said we either want... Because I think it was like something that included a level of triple threat. And it said we want, you know, really confident actors who can sing and dance, which is a sentence that doesn't offend anyone. But then it Mm. said, or musical theatre performers who can act... And I was like, you've just openly said that a lot of musical theatre performers... Shots fired. Can't. Yeah, exactly. Shots fired. Because Let's at- get that sound effect. <laughs> right, oh yeah. Pew, pew, pew. Because this is the thing, there are plenty of actors out there that admit, I don't fucking sing, I'm not here as a singer, it's not on my CV that yeah, I sing, yeah, yeah. I'm an actor, I can do Shakespeare and be on Netflix, and it's fine. Whereas... In musical theatre, you ha- you're supposed to be able to act. It's part yeah, of yeah. the job to be able to act in yeah. a way that it's not necessarily part of the job as an actor to be able to sing. So yeah, the yeah. fact that it said um, an MT who can act, I was like, Mwah, that's hilarious Oof. shots fired. Oh my wow. gosh, I couldn't handle it. Claws out. Yeah. I Claws mean, out. And do you know what's crazy? I remember having... Um, a guy who went to art said, and he was in his third year of musical theater while I was doing my acting course. And weirdly he, I mean, he is a fantastic musical theater performer. He actually played Jamie and everyone's talking about Jamie. So I am not underselling his musical theater skills whatsoever, but no joke whatsoever within like six months of him graduating. He was in 
a play with the RSC, the Royal Shakespeare Company. So mm. like, it's not cookie cutter. And then weirdly, I have just talked about how untrained I am. Not, no, that's not fair. I am trained. But how the gaps in my skill set, and I've had like, what, three singing yeah, yeah. solo parts in, in the year before lockdown. Boom. So, you know, it's not one size fits all, but it is a funny trope. No, not at all. And if you do want to wind up a musical theatre guy, you can just throw that in there. If you want to start a fight, be like, yeah, just... but can you read? <laughs> <laughs> but can you read? Do you know what it is? They're the jocks of the industry. That's <laughs> the best way I can put it. And being being an athlete doesn't mean you're stupid at, by any stretch, but you can pull, you can make that joke. You could be mean in that way if you wanted to. And that, that applies to MT. <laughs> oh my God, I'm, I'm going to find a fucking death note when this comes I out. Really, man, I'm looking forward to where we get our first hate mail. Like, I think it will, I, I suspect Maybe, yeah. it will probably be something I've said rather than something you've said. I mean, you'd be surprised. Should I feel like my people, my people get more touchy my than people. your people. Oh, you say that. You're you say more that. provocative, but I'm, I, my I, I, industry I quite... is more, how dare you? You, you know, know? The, the, I was thinking about this. I, I ham this up way more when I'm doing the podcast. I say things that like, I, I wouldn't say in any other things setting. I don't really hear you say in other settings as well. On what you were saying earlier um, about the elitism and the overcriticism, that is actually a trope in fan culture. So yeah. I saw this thing that was like, are you even a Star Wars fan if you don't hate every detail of Star Wars? <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? That's so, so true. true. Like the people that got the most mad about the Rocky Horror remake were people like me who fucking love Rocky Horror. Like course, I think that yeah. there is a... Du- and I'm not mad about it at all. I think there's a duality that... Um, in in really passionately loving um, a medium or a genre or a franchise, that that with that love comes such a keen eye for all the details. Oh, the big trope mm. when people who read the book before it became a film and were yeah, like, yeah. no, it wasn't supposed to be turquoise. It's like shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like those people are out there and they piss me off. There's a wonderful, um, a wonderful song. Which is by Axis of Awesome. Have you ever heard of Axis uh, of yes, Awesome? Yes, I have heard of Axis of Awesome. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember the name of the singer who 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 since came out actually as as, as a transgender woman. Um, but she um, sang this wonderful song about Game of Thrones and the books were better. And it's it's uh, taking loads of Rage Against the Machine musical tropes and then does the. Um, it does the as a guitar solo over the top of it. It's really fucking funny. Check out, check that out. Um, fucking the books were better or whatever it is by Access of Awesome. You'll just find it on the internet. It's fucking hilarious. But yeah, there also, is that be- thing. Be- whenever, whenever a film comes out that's based on books, it's just like Dumbledore didn't say it that way, which fucked me off. Oh, that is when hilarious. I saw that film. Though. No, but come on, really that moment is me funny. Off. In yeah, the, as like, in the way, how did you put your name in the goblet? Of he's like, no, got him up against the wall, like you little shit. Dude, what did you do? <laughs> fucking hell, Michael Gambon! It was so hard to defend you after that. I think he's a brilliant <laughs> actor, Michael Gambon, and everyone was talking shit about him on the like, Yeah, Gambon wasn't a very good actor. No, 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 no. That was probably really fucking bad direction. Michael Gambon is a brilliant actor. Ooh, you fart head. Shots fired. Shots fired. Yeah. No, to be fair, yeah. the fans are right on that one because I know that Dumbledore yeah. should have. It was everyone else's arguing. Harry, everyone else is arguing over each other, and Dumbledore just turns to Harry and goes, "Harry, 
did you do this? And I liked that better. Yes. But yes. And that's what Dumbledore is. You fucking... Before I forget, sake. by the way, there was an episode where we were talking about a celebrity who, who had come out as, as non-binary and we couldn't remember who it was. A friend of mine... Um, I saw the other day and she was like, Demi Lovato! And I promised I'd bring it up. We meant Demi Lovato when we were talking yes, about her Demi in another Lovato episode. Is For the, the record, she's a, yeah. they are a legend. Apologies. They, they are very fucking good at doing the songs. Yes. Um, it was Demi Lovato. Yes, I, I remember reading that after we did that episode ages ago now. Yeah, I my point remember. is I saw a friend and, and apparently she was like yelling at the episode. <laughs> Yeah, I could, I could go, I could go on and on about tropes. Um, oh God, it's gone uh, forever, isn't it? But I mean, we should probably round down. I, I'll, I'll say one more. I'll say one more, and it'll be quick. Uh, there's this trope that rock musicians only know three chords and only know how to play a pentatonic scale. Are they G, D, and A? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, or E, A, and D, or B, or all the chords. Because that's <laughs> what we play, you cunts. Um, but uh, there's. <laughs> I'm not, really I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. You um, really meant that. Oof. Yeah, you fuckers. But, um, Tension. You know, I mean, jazz musicians have done so much, but jazz, yeah. in terms of guitar, has it really changed that much since the 60s and I 70s? I don't honestly earlier. know. I was going to bring up jazz um, and we were talking but, about the well, the improv element of music, yeah, the, the, but do go yeah, on. Jazz is, jazz is brilliant. Yeah, I love jazz. Jazz is so, um, yeah, But there's, there's a trope in that, uh, rock guitarists know three chords and only have to know how to play a pentatonic and yet will play to 3,000 people, whereas jazz musicians know 3,000 chords, um, play all the modes and all the musical, the- musical blah, 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 you know, bollocks, and will play to three people in a crowded room, where the reality is that both of us will only play to three people. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's there's another thing is that, you know, rock musicians and rock guitarists are idiots and jazz musicians are like that's where the real um the real like that's the elite kind of form music yeah. and that like yeah and so i i do get that because um jazz music musicians are doing very clever shit they all are. the time um however a lot and of them they don't inspired know how to do decades of music yeah. like we're not saying that's, it didn't that's like that's true you know you know for like, sure there's absolutely but there's a lot of jazz musicians who say that and then don't seem to realise that simple hooky stuff is what a lot of people really like to listen to. Like they don't really know how yeah. to write um, relatively simplistic things that are, you know, are going to appeal to lots of people. And the fact of the matter is that really it's not superior to do mm. something more complicated than something that's more, the, that's more simple. If the thing that's more simple really appeals to people. Do you know, you know what? I think you've touched on something. Yeah, complicated doesn't have to mean superior. And I think that's really true. And yeah, that's absolutely. It. And also, I would love to just defend the the crowd pleaser. Like, what is wrong yeah. with... So, like, a really good example. Uh, I'm about to talk yeah. about series two of Stranger Things, just so you know. Oh, so, no, I've not seen it. La, 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 oh, la, okay, la, la. fine. No, fine. okay, what we'll do, what we'll do no, is... No, don't worry. I'm not going to tell you. I'll do it. Uh, don't worry. Um, let me know when you've watched it and I'll say. My point is My there D&D are moments. My D&D heart was so happy at Stranger Things, for by sure. the way, but continue. There are moments in big popular things. Star Wars is another good example where they do something to be a bit flash and to just make everyone go, oh, that was fun. And yeah. is it that bad? Or just for crowd pleasing? I'm like the ideal Star Wars fan because I don't get really into it and like analyze it. I just go and watch it. And I'm like, <laughs> lasers. Oh man. <laughs> and I think that's, there's a freedom Lulu. in that for I me. I love that. Star Wars is fucking brilliant. The um, last thing. But you're, oh, you were totally right about 
fans hating Star Wars. Yeah, because they <laughs> love Star Wars. That's my point. Yeah. Um, like, there's actually another podcast I really love, and it's so huge. It's called Potterless, and it's about a guy our age reading Harry Potter for the first time because oh, he just I've never heard did. Of that, yeah. And it's really good. And then he gets really critical, and a lot of the times you kind of have to just go, look, it is a kid's book after all. But then he also goes, mm. look, part of loving something is analysing it and breaking it apart and seeing how it could be better. And I kind of agree with him because, yeah, mm. he's right. Why weren't the house elves in the films? All this stuff. Um, the last all thing I was going to bring up is it. I've gotten quite good at spotting writing patterns. So it will be really fun when I'm watching something mm, with someone that. who's seen it like usually my boyfriend. Um, and I'll be like, oh no, that person's going to die. <laughs> and he'll laugh because he already knows. That's why I'll say it. I'll be like, yeah, that, yeah, that is way too wholesome. We're going to lose that person. <laughs> so like, without giving... We've seen Endgame, right? Of, of course we've seen Endgame by now. Everyone's not been seen locked Endgame, inside for two years. They've watched all the Marvel films yeah. five times. I remember Continue. watching Endgame. <laughs> Spoilers for Endgame. Dickheads. I remember watching Endgame Dickheads. and seeing just one too many cute moments with his kid. And I was like, oh, he's going to die huh, at the end of this. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it is a truth. <laughs> he's dead. Or like a I love really, you 3000. <laughs> Fuck you. Really Better good start one. digging your grave, bitch. I'm just doing a load. Do you know what? If you're really stressed about all these spoilers, just end now. <laughs> But there was a yeah, really yeah, good moment. Yeah, because I'm going to do one as well. Was in uh, Downton Abbey spoiler. I was showing Downton Abbey to a friend a few years ago who hadn't seen it. And you've got um, three sisters and the eldest and the youngest are at each other's throats and both have things that you can dislike about them. Oh no, the eldest in the middle. Anyway, two of them. And then the third one is just lovely. And she's so generous and she's ahead of her time and she's going to these suffragette riots but also she's just the kindest least elitist most forward-thinking one and when i was showing it to my friend my friend turned to me and just went she's gonna die a horrible horrible death isn't she <laughs> and i cracked up laughing because of how right she was <laughs> my my dad only enjoys things where all the characters die at the end um like a Shakespearean tragedy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I think oh, some famous sci-fi series, Blake Seven or something like that, where everyone dies at the end of it or something like that. He only re- he's like, oh, this is great. It's all miserable. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, I think the Game of Thrones really impressed me in that how often I didn't predict what happened. And I've yeah, got to give Game like the, of Thrones... Like the Red Wedding, you know. I wasn't ready for Red Wedding. I wasn't ready for the Viper. I wasn't ready for a lot of what went down. And I... <laughs> oh, the Viper. The Viper episode, I was watching was on so my laptop good. at uni. And I and it's right at the end, isn't it? That horrible ending. And I just yeah. remember my screen going no. blank. Oh, and oh, oh, oh. Yeah. When the credits came up, I could see my reflection because my screen went dark. And I was just sat with... Yeah. Yeah. That face. Just like... That face. Just I just horrified. made the face that you were all making people at home. Maybe in our description... Game of I think in our description, we should include just a little Spoilers cheeky list... For- going miss the last 10 minutes if you haven't seen blah 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 but we've also yeah. mentioned it before each spoiler so i think that's the best we can do yeah do you know what i can do i can drop a spoiler go on one more recent. go on um but tell uh, me what loki, it is first you, you seen you seen loki the loki series no but i don't really care it's fine if you don't give a shit that's i fine. don't care go for so, it so um i'm, I'm a comic I'm a book nerd and I, and I i'm a, i'm a comic book nerd and the moment they mentioned time travel i was like oh it's kang the conqueror like I knew that from the fucking start. Yeah. And then it fucking was at the end. And I was like, yes, fuck you. Yeah. 
um, moral ambiguity. There's a whole thing about that. They, they do that quite well. Moral ambiguity is a good is a thing that Marvel can do really well because, like for instance, Thanos is um, you know trying to split <laughs> the population in half, doing this awful, terrible thing. But he's kind of trying to save the environment. So you know, it's but uh, yeah, Kang the Conqueror is an example of that. Okay, one more question before we finish. What cliche are you? I think that I am bumbling middle-class left-wing intelligentsia who's a total grognard um, and thinks his opinions are better than everyone else's. And a white male? Sorry, what? <laughs> and, white, and white male as fuck. I'm a white male short guy. Um... <laughs> and with all the things that come opinions. with it. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's I that. Meant, I meant as a musician, but I'm glad that you went with that one. <laughs> Oh yeah, that. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the, I'm the lead singer twat. That's me. Great. I think I am very much the cliche, very excitable, very loud, kind of drama kid. Like I've had comedians. At, oh yeah, yeah. You I are. had a comedian yeah, at Edinburgh French call yeah. me out and patronizingly lean over her knees and go, "Are you by any chance a drama student?" I love like it. I'm such a fucking drama nerd and I I love it and I'm loud and I'm playful and I'm all those things I said actors are. I loved it when this guy, um, we we were, when we first met, they were like, "You guys are actors, right?" Yeah. <laughs> to us too. Do you remember that? I was just like, "Well, she is." You know, I'm a lead singer. That's similar kind of vibe, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think that's kind of us. I think really. we're good there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if we've offended you, um, get the fuck good. over it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, build a bridge. Oh, and yep. then burn it down. Anyway, um, yep. I did the intro. You sign off, mate. Go for it. Well, people at home, you've been listening to the incredibly important opinions of Amber Saver and Coleridge Bryant on riffs and scripts. Thanks so much for listening. We don't really hate you. Nah, we just have contempt for you. Hey, like we said, um, <laughs> loving something means criticising it. <laughs> exactly. But now I feel like a cruel parent. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> now I sound like oh. one of those mums. <laughs> Please, if, if you if you have hate mail, then please direct it to riffsandscripts <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> um, please, you know, send your nasty comments to riffsandscriptspod on Instagram. Or if you just want to say something nasty to us that ruins our day, drop us a message on oh, Facebook at riffsandscripts. Fuck it, why not? <laughs> Oof. Oof, this is going to be a big week. Cole, I've listened to your band. I think you're shit. Get in line. <laughs> <laughs> You and me both. Um, Have a good good week, you guys, though. Cheers. Um, Bye-bye. Chat to you next week. Yeah. Ta-ta.